0: Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It really is an amazing privilege to be up here this evening. Thank you for allowing me to, to be here. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Eldership Team. You guys are awesome. Um, this morning I had the privilege of going to Milneton, um our 10am Milnerton congregation. I got there at 7am this morning to help them set up. And I just want to say we have it easier at Table view. <laughs> Amen. Um, those guys work hard every week. Um, it was a lot of fun. I did enjoy uh, Brett Sutherland. Where are you, Brett? Is he here this evening? No, he's probably sleeping. Um, But he, those guys work really, really hard. So uh, please give them a high five if you see them. But God is doing incredible stuff there. God is doing incredible things in our AM congregation. And God is doing incredible things in this congregation. Um, Really is amazing to see. I just want to start the the old timer. Otherwise, it might be for a few hours. but it really is incredible to see what God is doing. Um, just a quick announcement from my side. We, uh, uh, it's almost a month of romance in this church. Um, and uh, there might be a certain couple uh, in this church who may have started dating on Friday night. Their names might be Josh McGaw and Brittany Anderson. Um, um, we've been waiting about four years for it to happen. Um, so... Yeah. Um, so, well done, guys. Well done, Joshy. Ask Joshy the story of how he did it. Very romantic. Um, but yeah. So, very, very cool, exciting things happening in the life of our church. Um, and tonight, we are, we have been busy with a series uh, going through the Book of Galatians. This incredible book written by by Paul, who was a, um, an apostle to the church, the early church. That he was he planted many of the original churches. This incredible man that was. Um, I preached a few weeks ago in the morning on uh, uh, Paul's conversion and how he became Paul. And it's just this radical encounter with God. This man goes out and he starts preaching Jesus. And I think sometimes we make it sound, uh, and he was a profound man, but sometimes we make it sound like Paul was on this level and then we are on this level. But actually, he served the same Jesus. He saw a vision of Jesus. He took a hold of Jesus. And he started to pioneer something incredible. And the amazing thing about the gospel is that when we catch on to Jesus, when we uh, engage with God, he takes us on this incredible journey. He calls us to pioneer new things, to run after things, to chase after what God has given us. Um, and I love it. I love seeing people who, are, um, who have newly come to know God. My, my mom recently got baptized a week ago, which is incredibly exciting. I've been a Christian for eight years, and from the day I got saved, I've been asking God to meet my mom, um, and I got to watch her get baptized last weekend, which was a really, really big moment. Um, God is very kind, and every time I talk about this, I cry, but that's fine. But it was amazing, yesterday afternoon I just popped in for coffee, um, and my mom was house-sitting my cousin's house, and she actually didn't have any money on her. And it just dawned on her, it was a very funny moment. She looked at me and she said, I have to get to church tomorrow morning. And I looked at her and she was like, I don't have cash. Please can I borrow some money? I have to put petrol in because I cannot miss my church. Um, And I must be honest, I haven't heard many people say that in a long time. I cannot miss my church. But I want to say to you that when we encounter God... There is a hunger for the more of God. And I think sometimes when we step into church spaces or we've been in it for many years or we've been doing, um, doing Christianity for a period of time, sometimes, and, and Paul actually hits this in the beginning of Galatians, he speaks about how we sometimes forget this gospel that we have been given. And I think tonight God wants to place in us a renewed passion to seek after Jesus in a powerful way. And I want to say to you tonight that if you do not know Christ, He is, the Word says He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Savior of our souls. He is more powerful than we could ever imagine. And because of His cross and His incredible gospel, just a quick juice, I like it. I would do the same thing. Just a quick juice. Very good. I have one as well. Um, Because that was a very serious point, but that's fine. Um, But actually... He is the Savior of our souls. And because of the cross, we get to have a personal relationship with the Father. This personal, intimate relationship. And this series we've been doing is called um, Jesus Plus Nothing. Actually, as believers and as people, we cannot add anything to Jesus. I love how Mark said it tonight. He said, Jesus is all sufficient. Actually, he satisfies my every need. My every want, my every desire. Why? Because he is all sufficient. The Bible describes him as that. He is the one who gives us everything we need. And sometimes we forget that. And sometimes we stop engaging with Jesus as the all sufficient one. And we start putting things after the plus. And actually part of the series and what God's been doing in my heart is he's, he's constantly reminding me to take things that appear after the plus away. Because we so quickly do that. We so quickly add on, well, Jesus plus my quiet time will get me um, closer to God. Jesus plus my good behavior. Jesus plus, and and actually, the gospel says Jesus plus nothing. There is absolutely nothing you can add to Him. Because He is all-sufficient. He has everything He needs. Trust me. There's nothing you can do for Him. There's nothing you can give Him. He has everything He needs. He is God. Yeah. And Galatians deals with these three major themes, and I'm going to uh, land on a specific one, but these three big themes. Number one, liberty. Paul is pre, uh, writing to this church, and he is writing to them so that they can live in the liberty, in the freedom that Jesus has given them. But then he hits these two things. He hits these two topics, license and um, legalism. Legalism, the, the attempt to acquire your salvation. The attempt to do good works to get a relationship with God. He he hits this thing hard and he's, he's, he's imploring this church. Actually, following the law, engaging in legalism does not acquire you the favor and love of God. And then he hits this thing called license, this reality that actually um, the grace of God allows us to do whatever we want, whenever we want. And he he writes it, and and, uh, some uh, commentators say he comes across as angry, but actually I love the way Mark hits it a few weeks ago. He said, no, this is a father who is passionate about sons and daughters. This is a father who is fighting for the futures of sons and daughters. So I would ask, when you, if you have never read the book of Galatians, it is in the New Testament, it's after the Gospels and Acts, and what I, it's a, I would enc- encourage you, when you read this book, read it as a father who is fighting for your future. Because when we engage and fighting for the church's future, two of these things, license and legalism, Paul, these untruths, these bad understandings of the gospel that Paul is fighting against, and one of them, liberty, he's fighting for. And tonight I'm not going to read a lot of scripture, but I I would love to hit this thing of liberty. That actually, in the gospel and in Christ, we are given freedom forevermore. It's this radical thing. The liberty of God comes upon us and He gives us space. The, The word says that the boundary lines of the Lord fall in pleasant places. It's this reality that God draws us a future. He, the, um, the, the word uses these kind of analogies of, of writing our stories and he, almost this architect that draws the plans of our lives and those boundary lines that he puts in place fall in pleasant places. It's the freedom of God. When we dwell in the presence of Jesus, we live in freedom. That is the basis of the gospel. We live out of this need to perform. We live outside of this need to accomplish. But actually we live in a free space because we have this radical relationship with Christ. And at the center of that is Jesus. Um, uh, Mark mentioned uh, last week and the guys announced I got engaged a week ago, a week and a day ago actually to this incredible girl over here, Kate West. Um, She really, really is amazing. Uh, I love her a lot. Just so, just so everybody knows, in case you're wondering. Um, but I know many people have been asking, How did you propose? And I know you want to hear the story. I can see it in your eyes, so I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So I phoned my friend about three weeks ago. His name is Gunter. He, uh, he sails a lot, so I said to him, Gunther, I want to propose. And he said, Okay. And I could see that look in his eyes, like Tyler's about to ask you for something. That's a real thing. When I ask you for something, it's, it's, it's a real thing. People fear it, actually, because um, it's generally not a small thing. I'm kind of a go big or go home kind of guy. And I said to him, Gunther, I know you've got a friend who's got a sailing boat. Um, so I want to take Kate out on a, I want to sail around, table, uh, around uh, Robin Island, and I want to propose to her on a boat. And he looked at me. I was like, wow, okay, okay. And I said to him, please, will you chat to your friend? And I was stressing, because for two weeks, I heard nothing from Gunther. And I would send him the odd message saying, uh, any news? He'd say, working on it. I'm like, woo, woo, this better come through soon. Because um, you know when you're getting the nudges, like when are you going to do? When are you going? I'm joking. She never did that. Um, but I uh, and uh, he he messages me. He says uh, it was Wednesday afternoon. He says it's on Saturday afternoon. And then the stress comes. Then you're like, whoo, this is getting real. We had a rise on that Saturday, so I was like, okay, I need to plan this thing. He had arranged this boat. They got a crew together. I went to Woolworths as one does, and I purchased picnic things. Um, Woolworths picnic things are very expensive. Um, just so you know. Um, and anyway, so I go there. I go, but I'm going bigger. I'm getting the chocolate brownies, and I'm getting the baby mince pies. A 450 rand for six mince pies, and no, I'm joking. They're not that expensive. But I packed that picnic basket. I get Jenny, who's the lady who does all our food and stuff. I like, Jenny, I need champagne glasses. I got the JC LaRue on a special, which was good. Um, and I, So I buy this all, and I get this box ready, and I've, I've got the ring, and I'm doing my in the car to get the ring into the pocket without her seeing. Uh, it was a bit of a, babe, can you just check in my medications in the front? You are just in the pocket. Got it ready to go, and, and we're sailing. And now, so the, the round trip is three hours. So there's lots of time, eh? there's like, and every, that, uh, Gunther knew that I was proposing, and the, the owner and his wife knew that I was proposing, no one else of the crew knew, but every couple of minutes the owner just looks at me like this. <laughs> she was more excited than I was, it was incredible, just, mm, mm, I was like. Yeah, yeah, don't worry, don't worry. What you'll find about boats, interestingly enough, they, um, they don't just go flat and straight. It's not like a cruise liner. It really isn't. Um, so and there were a couple of moments where I, I kid you not, the boat was on its side. I was like, this is not going to work well. Anyway, so we're sailing and they get the boat under control and, and I, I picked a moment and, and I was like, no, I'm going for it now. And she's in mid-conversation, so I say, Kate, come, let's go, let's go, let's go to the front of the boat. She's like, why? I'm talking to someone. Um, she actually got quite irritated with me. So I take her to the front of the boat and I'm excited. I've got the ring in the pocket. There's about 40 jackets on. She had like an overall thing on. It was all happening. Gets cold out there. Anyway, so this big moment, I'm like, oh, I get she's facing that way. I get the ring out of my pocket. I open the box and then I put the box behind me. Not a good idea when you're on a boat, guys, and you for a ring. And I get down on one knee and I go, Kate? And she's like, yes. I'm like, look at look at me. And she turns around. She goes, what are you doing? And as she does that, the boat rocks and she falls on her knees. So she's on her knees. I'm on one knee. I go, Kate, will you marry me? And then it's this big moment. She doesn't answer for a little while. So I look at her and I go, "Um, can you answer me, please? She goes, yes, yes, yes. Then it's, then, uh, but frazzled. get the ring on her finger. This poor guy comes with a picnic basket. It was But it was this incredible moment where I had literally put hours and hours of effort into. And can you imagine if just after I had said, will you marry me? I said, babe, also there's a second event happening. It's Gunther's birthday. So can we go celebrate that now? Can you imagine how she would have felt? It's actually, we've done this incredible thing. I've spent hours and hours and hours planning this massive moment and then I go, well, actually, cool, your moment's over. Let's, I know this is your moment, but actually it's Gunther's birthday, so let's go have a party with them. Can you imagine the devastation in her heart if I had to do that? But actually, God orchestrates the gospel. He plans this radical reality of Jesus incarnate, coming to earth, dying on a cross, saving us from our sinful nature, returning us to relationship with God. It is this crescendo, powerful moment And then us, in some thought process, decide that we need to add to that moment. Can you imagine, and then you start to understand why Paul is so passionate about this thing of it's Jesus plus nothing. We, in our ignorance, go and we take something and we add it on to this beautiful gospel that God designed. What we do is we take Jesus out of the center of the gospel. And the moment that we remove Jesus out of the center of the gospel, it loses its power completely. And actually, God orchestrates this incredible moment. And I believe that tonight, we, God is wanting us, as he has been in the series, wanting to remind us that actually, Jesus is the center of everything. Actually, the, the entire planning of the gospel, the law put in place, all of that was this, this, this lead up to this radical moment that the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, would come to earth and redeem humanity. But then somewhere along the lines in our process, we go, okay, that's great, but also I need to work really hard. And in that moment, we remove, remove power from the gospel. It, is this, it, it robs the gospel of its raw, life-transforming power. Um, and tonight I want to uh, just jump onto two verses of Scripture, which I believe are, are almost carry the very heart of this truth, that actually Jesus is at the center of everything. And in Galatians um, 2.20, it'll be on the screen behind me. It goes like this, and this is a scripture that many would have heard. Um, It's one of those kind of, as Ed would say, a bumper sticker um, scripture. But actually, there is so much power in in this moment where Paul is writing. He's challenging things. He's going, actually, guys, you cannot add to the gospel. It's not licentiousness. It's not legalism. Actually, this is the gospel, and he writes this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. I'll read it again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me? I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. The first time I heard this scripture was about a year after I would gotten saved, and a friend of mine gave me a mighty men 's conference DVD, and Angus Buchan, who is this very intriguing older man, he has an incredible influence in the world, is preaching to 50,000 men, and he reads this scripture and he starts preaching about how Jesus is the center and thousands and thousands of men are weeping. You can imagine they are these Afrikaans farmers who come from legalistic backgrounds where they had to perform and they had to do well and they had to tick all the boxes and they had to behave well to get God's favor. And actually he preaches this message that actually it's all about Jesus and it transforms our lives. It is this incredible encounter. And there's Three simple thoughts that I want to extract out of this scripture. Which, And for me, when I watch these DVDs, I remember sitting on my couch at home weeping at the reality that it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus. But sometimes I think we forget that. We encounter God. We, get, we come to salvation. We meet the Savior of the world. But then we start to do life. We start to do the pluses of this and that thing. And actually the first statement I want to make tonight is it's not about you. In verse 20 he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. And this is a radical statement because actually legalism and licentiousness at the core of them remove Christ from the center and put self in the center. That's what it does. It fundamentally does that. But the gospel removes me from the center entirely. The gospel places Jesus in the middle of my world, our world, the world. That is what the gospel does. Paul here is emphasizing how through Christ my, sinf- my sinful self my past self, when I come to salvation, has been crucified with Christ. It has been almost a, crucifixion was not a, um, a, 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 a simple, easy thing. It wasn't an appealing thing. It wasn't a, this um, quick um, way of dying. Actually, crucifixion was horrendous. And actually, Paul uses this language. He actually says, well, actually, your old sinful self, when Christ died on the cross, was crucified with him. It's like it's almost that moment where Trevor is dead, dead, dead. It's like dead's gone. It's gone. But we for some reason let that guy come back all the time in our minds. Because actually the Bible says the old is gone and the new has come. But then the Bible says, renew your mind. Because the reality is you are a new creation. But for some reason we still think like the old creation. But actually, Paul here is going, I have been crucified my old self is dead. And then he goes on to say, it is no longer I who live. It's this reality of actually, it's when we come to know Christ, there is a replacement of the center of our world. We are taken out of the center of our world because sin is fundamentally self at the center. That is what sin is. It removes us from the center and it places Christ there. When I live in legalism, I am removing the power of Christ from the center of the gospel, and therefore I am removing the power of Christ in my own life, because I am adding that plus. I'm going, well, if I do this, this, and this, then I will acquire salvation or acquire God's love or acquire God's favor. But actually, Jesus is reminding us, and Paul is reminding us in this text, that actually, you don't live anymore. So how do you think you're going to get that right? how do you think your actions are going to acquire my love? If your old self has been crucified, if it's no longer you who live, and actually we allow this thing of self to get into the center, and then we start to think that our freedom hinges on our actions, and we start to live in radical insecurity. Because actually, and you know what the challenge is in a church context? Legalism and a a love relationship with Christ can look very similar for a long time. But when the waves come, and when the challenges come, the roots are very quickly exposed. The legalists will either um, crumble under the pressure of not performing. They will either run away or, or totally disengage. But actually the person who understands that the gospel places Christ at the center. I have nothing to do with it. He has everything to do with it. They stand through the storms. There is this, this knowing that actually it's not up to me. Is that not the most liberating thing imaginable? That actually, it's, it's not up to me. It's totally up to Christ. He did the work. He is doing the work. The Bible says that he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion. It does not say he began a good work in me and now I must bring it to completion. We have to constantly remind ourselves that Jesus is in the center of the gospel. The Bible says that pride comes before the fall, but actually a byproduct of legalism when we think we're getting it right is pride. And we raise ourselves up with Christ in our minds. But actually we are called to constantly be putting Jesus on the throne of our lives. And we so quickly let ourselves get onto that throne. We so quickly let things get onto that throne. But actually we have to constantly, and that is why the word is so powerful. It's because every time we engage the word, what we should be looking for is Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're reading Deuteronomy, the Psalms, or the Gospels, you are looking for Jesus. Why? Because when we engage with God's word, it rips down the idols and it places Christ where he is supposed to be in our lives. Licentiousness does the, the, a similar thing, it's actually very similar. It puts sin in the center. It actually says that Jesus did this great work and now it allows me to sin. But actually, when we understand that Jesus is um, supposed to be in the center, our response to him is to live a life that glorifies him. It is always a response. Jesus is always the initiator. He initiates with us constantly. And when we respond, we live lives that glorify him. When we engage with him in that way, It removes the sin from the center of our worlds. It removes this self from the center of our worlds. And it puts Jesus there. We do the things we do. Why? Because we love Jesus. Because in our worlds, He is at the center. I have to, I've been working for a church for five and a half years. Do you know how quickly the thing of performance can grip you? It's this radical thing that actually I'm I'm a Christian. I'm a believer, but actually I have to do this and this and this. And I have to constantly remind myself that actually my identity is seated in Christ. I don't have to perform. I don't have to accomplish for people. No, I do what I do out of response to Christ. We do what these, we we engage the word, we worship, we tell people about Jesus. We do all of these things not to acquire his love. Jesus came out of the water. He hadn't done anything. This is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. Actually, we do what we do out of response to God. Number one, it's not about you. Number two, it's all about Him. Paul is, uh, in that scripture, it says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I believe that uh, our salvation is designed to make much of Jesus. I think sometimes we can reduce salvation to this small thing. Where actually, it's a, it's a, a, my fire insurance from hell. But actually, actually, and Rory Dyer brought this out so beautifully. The destination of the gospel is the Father. The destination of the gospel is to glorify Jesus. It is to glorify God. It is not there to make us feel better. It is not there to stroke our ego. It is not there to make us feel like our lives are okay. The fundamental purpose of the gospel is to glorify God. Jesus is not simply the fixer of our lives. He is the focus of our lives. And when we don't understand that it's actually not its not me who lives. The old self is dead, dead, dead. And actually there is Christ in me. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The way that I engage God changes completely. Because before that point, or outside of this understanding, we engage Jesus as our fixer. We come to him when we have challenges or problems. We go, oh, I've had a rough week. I better go to church and engage God. I better make sure that um, he's, uh, he's okay with me. And we, we run to him when we are um, in trouble or, or things are not going well. But actually, the gospel... Means that rather than Jesus being the fixer of my difficult situation, he's the focus of my every day. He's the focus of my every moment. I think um, there's this um, reality that came about through uh, um, moments and, and, and swinging pendulums of understandings of God and the church. But actually we do this thing where we divide sacred and secular. We divide our relationship with God to our normal life. But actually there is no biblical basis for that. Actually, the Bible teaches us that God is in everything. It's rather this um, uh, many people would have explained it. They go, Well, God is at the top, and then it's family, and then it's church, and then it's work, and then it's. But actually, that is a bad representation of a relationship with Christ. A more accurate representation is Jesus at the center, and everything shoots out from that. Actually, Jesus at the center of my world and my family life my work life, my every, my recreation, my friends, the bride at home on a Saturday, all of those things are offshoots of my relationship with Christ. Yeah. And I want to say to you that then our relationship with God stops being a, a sort of, I'm looking for a fix or a moment to make me feel better, and it starts becoming this powerful world-transforming relationship. Why? Because then when I engage with the world, I'm engaging with it from uh, a place of the power of God. When I engage with people, actually my consideration is Jesus. Why? Not because I feel like I have to, because He's the center of my world. I believe it is this radical transformation of our thinking. Actually, we take ourselves, we take our things, we take our businesses, we take our, um, our families, we take all of those things out of the center of our world, We've placed Jesus there because the Bible says that Jesus is the life giver. So if you want the life of God in an area of your life, place him in the center. If you are finding death is ravaging an area of your life, I want to say to you place Christ in the center of your world and you will see life spring out. Yeah. Why? Because that is what the word of God promises. And that God cannot deny himself. If he says it, it is true. It is this powerful reality for us as believers. It changes the motivator of our decisions. Actually, when we are making a, there have been so many moments in my life where I've had to, and, and not a very long life, but where I've had to make decisions, almost those, those hinged decisions where it will either go this way or that way and it will determine the trajectory of my life. And I've had to make those decisions. And if I had not intentionally placed Christ at the center of my world when making those decisions, they, wouldn't, they would not have borne life. And actually, we have to constantly remind ourselves to bring, and it's not this thing of uh, oh, Jesus has to be in the middle, otherwise it's all going to go wrong. No, it's this reality that when we know Christ, our relationship with him places him in the center. Our, Our motivator of our decision change, the reason we do things changes. Actually, I believe that businesses, Christian businessmen, your business is designed to glorify God. I know it's a radical statement, but its primary job is not to provide your family with food. Its primary job is to glorify God. That provision is a byproduct of God's favor. Because actually when we understand that God is the provider, we did nothing for Him to become the provider. He is our provider. We understand that actually He will provide. Why? Because His word says so. And then the way we engage our business changes. The way we engage our family changes. Your children are there to glorify God. Your marriage is there to glorify God. And I realize it's so, and, and I am on a, a learning journey with this because actually I don't get it all the time. Actually, I, get it, I don't get it a lot of the time. But I believe through this series, God is teaching us that actually don't add to Jesus. Get rid of the plus and focus on Christ. It's all about Him. And lastly, I want to say, it's all about His mission. The reality is that when Jesus is at the center, when we remove all the pluses, we start to shift our focus. And when our focus is on Christ, inadvertently our focus becomes his mission. Inadvertently our focus becomes the thing that he has called you to. I want to say to you that the call of God is not becoming a preacher. It's not working at a church full-time. The call of God is specific for every single individual. He has placed a call on your life. He has empowered you by His grace to accomplish that call. Yeah. And He is calling you to engage Him to walk in that. There's this incredible scripture in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4.11. It says, For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. Now, I know that might sound a little bit strange to you, but actually all that is saying is that we constantly remind ourselves that the old self is dead. Why? So that the life of God would be visible in our lives. It's very simple. It's actually in this body, in Tyler Lynn's body, that the life of God would be manifest. So that when people engage with me, when I walk down the street, when I am in my business place, when I'm with my family, that actually the life of God would be visible to those around me. And that does not come because you read your Bible a hundred times a day. It does not come because you behave really well. It comes because you place Christ at the center of your world. It is this radical reality that the gospel teaches us, that Galatians emphasizes, that actually no matter what we do, other than placing Christ at the center, we'll see the mission of God come to fruition in our lives. We have to constantly place Christ at the center. When Christ is in his rightful place in our lives, We live to glorify Him and to make Him famous. And I truly believe that tonight and and through this series, there has been a realigning of hearts. There's been this reality of actually where where, um, God has been taking us as a community into a space of understanding our right relationship with God. That actually this understanding that Jesus did it all. And we want to constantly be fighting for that reality. That actually in your life, Jesus is the one who started the work. Jesus is the one who is doing the work. And Jesus will bring the work to completion. <coughs> the Word calls Him the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. And He fills up the middle. Yeah. And I, I, my, my heart's desire in my own life and in each and every one of our lives is that we would understand that God does not expect us to do anything other than then engage in a relationship with Him. And He even made that possible. Because outside of the cross, we have no relationship with God. But inside Jesus, inside His radical salvation that washes away sin, we enter back into a relationship with the Father. And I believe that God is, is realigning that and giving us um, reminding us that what His grace accomplished is complete. It is the, 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 this incredible statement. It is the finished work of the cross. Finished. We cannot add anything to that work. We cannot add extras to that work. We cannot fill in the blanks of that work. It is the finished work of the cross. Can I pray for us? Father, I thank you that through this Galatians series, God, and through your scriptures, you are challenging us, Jesus. Thank you that tonight, in this moment, you are removing self, you are removing things from the center of our lives, and you are putting yourself in your rightful place, Jesus. Thank you tonight, God, you remind us of your powerful salvation, God. Even as we took communion together, God, would you constantly remind us of the power of the cross, of the power of your crucifixion, and the power of your resurrection, Christ. That actually in that moment you, sh- you shouted, it is finished. And Jesus, we live in the finished work. We live in the power of your gospel. So I pray tonight, God, would you realign hearts, Father, where people have been striving to acquire your love or to acquire your grace or to acquire your affections, God. I pray tonight you would realign hearts, Jesus, and that you would simply be placed back in the center of that world. I pray, Father, where people have, uh, have um, stepped away from you, where they might be living outside of you. Jesus, I pray tonight you would do a work that would realign their lives, Father. And bring them back in line with your love, with your grace, and with your life, Jesus. I pray, Father, that through this series, God, that a life would begin to spring out in areas of lives, God, that were, that were barren, Father. Thank you as we realign our thinking, Jesus, you do radical works in our lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and do that work in us right now? Would you come and do that work in us right now, King Jesus? Would you leave no rock unturned, God, right now in this moment, where people have been hiding our fears, anxieties under things, God. I pray right now, would you lift those rocks? Would you unblock those wells, God? I pray that in this moment, Father, you would take people into a deeper relationship with you, Christ, as you remind us that actually it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with you, Jesus. Do that in us, Jesus, in your incredible name.